our energy is manipulated by what we encounter in life around us. So I always like to say that it's not so much what you do to your body as much as it is what your body does with what you provide. And what your body does with that is going to be based on how much energy it has at a functioning level. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Are you feeling unmotivated and exhausted? Do you feel lethargic and like you could use more energy? If so, you're not alone. The secret to getting healthy is supporting your body's energy levels. On today's episode, I've invited Alexa Sherm to the podcast, who will be talking about energy drains and gains and how to get more energy and keep it. Alexa Sherm is a certified nutritionist and founder of The Living Well, a home to create a life well-lived. Alexa is on a mission to make health simple and show you that health is not another thing you have to do, but who you are. She's the host of an award-winning podcast called Made for Living Well and the creator of Health Made Simple, helping people to break free of external health to heal their mind, body, and soul. You're going to love today's interview. And if you need some help recalibrating your energy, by the end of today's episode, you'll learn a few easy ways to help your energy flow and how you can feel more energized starting right now. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, Alexa. Alexa, how are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. This is exciting. A good way to head into the weekend. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. So Alexa, first of all, if someone hasn't heard about you, or if this is their first introduction to you, can you just kind of give us a bit of a background about what you do and the Living Well Collective? Yeah. So I am the founder of the Living Well Collective. Um, I'm also a nutritionist um, and I went to school for nutrition because I really wanted to answer the question of why are no diets working? I grew up in the nineties and, you know, eighties and nineties where it felt like everyone I knew was dieting. Every woman, at least that I had in my life was on some kind of diet and it just never seemed to work at least long-term. And so I kind of got into the space to just answer that question of what does it look like to achieve lasting health and why hasn't what we've established worked? Um, And so I went to a very traditional side of nutrition and um, had to learn a lot of the integrative holistic uh, health side after college. Um, But now I am the founder of The Living Well, which is a mind-body-soul connection of that is the picture of health, what that looks like to me. And I'm excited to bring that because what I've learned in all of this is that health is not a matter of how much you eat or how much you move. There are so many other complexities to life, but at the same time, 
health does not have to be complex. Just because our body is doesn't mean what our body needs is complex. And so I like to break down health into simple, practical, everyday tasks that you can actively live, believing that health is inside of you, not something that you have to work to achieve. Mm, I love that because I think so many times, like there are people out there who are just complicating health way too much. Um, we need to make it simpler so that people will actually do it. Right. Yeah. So I love that. I love that you do that. So you like to talk a lot about energy, Alexa. So how does energy relate to our hormones? Yeah. So I like to look at the body as, um, as how much energy is flowing through it. And I don't want that to sound like a woo woo thing. And I know it can. And, you know, people always come into this concept of energy with their own preconceived ideas about what that is. But truly, if we look at the body, the one thing that our body is trying to um, get a feel for every single day is how much energy we have to work with. Now, the reason it does this is because our body is working to maintain a state of thriving. That is the ideal state. That is what people think of when they're healthy. It's like they're thriving, they're vibrant, they feel good, they feel light, they have the energy to live their life, they're sleeping well, you have energy to move, you know, all those things that we really think of what it looks like to be healthy. That's all a metric of the energy. And the way that your body tells this is just based on a nervous system response that happens inside the body. Again, not to get like geeked out by that, but our body is essentially going to state whether you're in a state of um, thriving or surviving. Mm -hmm. And it does so based on the level of energy available inside the body. If energy feels threatened or it feels scarce, then your body's going to go into a state of survival, which is more of a stress response that works to hoard, store, and conserve energy. So this matters because what state of the body based on how much energy you have is going to change what hormones are signaled in your body. Now, I think one of the things that we have um, a little bit switched up about hormones is that we think that hormones are a system on their own. You know, like we have this hormonal system and if I have symptoms, it's more than likely a hormonal issue. But our reality is, is that hormones are not a specific system as much as they're a communication channel of the body. And I think we need to distinguish that because um, looking at hormones as their own entity really takes away what the function and job of a hormone is. So a hormone is simply a communication channel, just like your nervous system. Um, It's going to be what's considered, they're considered um, energetic chemical molecules, are going to take a message from one part of your brain and um, transport it across your body to a specific cell, telling it to do whatever job the message tells it to do. Now, again, we could look at a lot of these symptoms that we have, whether it's exhaustion or PMS or um, whatever you're dealing with, weight gain, right? And we could blame a hormone, which is what we often do. The problem with that model is, is that that really just puts a bandaid on the root cause. The hormone is never the problem. It always has to go back to what is the message that's being sent out? Because the reason you think your hormones are wrong is because whatever message was sent was not a message that you liked, right? Whether it was Mm -hmm. to store excess body weight or to um, decrease energy to your reproductive organs. So maybe you're not as fertile or, you know, maybe you experience PMS problems or, you know, things get out of whack there. That's not because of the hormone itself. That's because of the message the hormone was receiving to send. 
So it's like a postman. Like I think about it like the mail, right? Like hormones are like snail mail where your neurotransmitters are like email. Like those are almost instantaneous where hormones are a little bit slower process um, where they actually have like the postal service, right? So I think we always want to get mad at the postman, but the reality is it's never the postman. It's not the hormones. It's the message that's being sent out. And that message is based on how much energy you have. Meaning if you have an abundance of energy, if your body's in a thriving state, then your hormones are going to do the job that they were designed. They're going to open up and be, um, uh, they're going to release hormones in the thriving state. On the other hand, if your body is in a state of surviving, which looks more like a fight or flight response, more of our sympathetic or stress response, those hormones are different and they're going to tell the body to do different things. So yes, it's not to say that you can't have a hormonal issue, but generally speaking, all hormonal issues at the root are an energetic problem of a messaging system that's just distinguishing what message is getting sent out. I hope that mm. makes sense. <laughs> it makes so much sense. I love that. I've never heard anybody talk about hormones like that before. Like it's just, that was amazing. And I never really thought of hormones as a communication system. And I loved mm. how you talked about, you know, uh, hormones being snail mail and the neurotransmitters being email. That is such a great analogy. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I think it really, I think when this is what I love about energy so much, it's like, we could look at all these specific systems of the body and the health world loves to break down our body into specific systems, right? Like we have the cardiovascular system. We have the endocrine system. We have the lymphatic system. Right. And we very rarely look at how are they all working together? Because nothing inside of our body is independent one part without the whole is nothing, right? It's how it's all working as one whole being. And so that's what I really try to do is like, okay, yes, we could get into the complexities of the hormone test you should be taking. And is your estrogen balanced with your progesterone? And we could get into all of that, but at the root of that, why aren't they functioning? Well, why are they out of balance? Why is the communication channel not there? And I think that's where health becomes easy is when you really just go back to, are you in a state of thriving or are you in a state of surviving and learning how to move yourself back into a state of thriving, regardless of what's happening in the world around you, is really the answer to lasting long-term health where you don't have mass amounts of symptoms, which always are linked back to that energy level in the body. Mm. So why is energy movement so important? Is it important so that we can get all these different systems to work together holistically? Yeah. So, I mean, energy is the means of life. I think we could look at everything in the world around us and um, everything living thing, at least, and recognize that it has some kind of energetic level to it. Um, even the sun, right? Like the sun has a powerful energetic force to it. Again, not to sound woo woo or crazy, but like plants, plants get their food from the sun. So therefore they are getting their energy. Unlike us, where we get our energy from the plants and from animals and other things, their energy, like plants are directly getting all, almost all of their energy besides for nutrients, all of their energy is coming from sunlight. Um, and I think that I, I, that, that was always like impactful for me to understand that because then we start to see that energy is not just a metric of calories. Energy is a means of life. Um, and we don't just get energy from food, which is, you know, what you talk about on your podcast. Um, we talk, we get a lot of our energy from our thoughts and our emotions and what we're interacting with in life around us. 
movement is not just a means of burning calories. In fact, if you go back to some of the studies and we look at metabolism, energy in the overall grand scheme of things, you could work out really hard and really not burn that many calories because of the way metabolism works to maintain a homeostatic level of energy. Um, and so metabolism isn't necessarily manipulated in the way that we think. However, our energy is manipulated by what we encounter in life around us. So I always like to say that it's not so much what you do to your body as much as it is what your body does with what you provide and what your body does with that is going to be based on how much energy it has at a functioning level. I feel like I'm not even sure if I answered your question. In there. You did. I, I just, I have so many things I want to ask. Like, I feel like I just got like yeah. 60 questions just from that one thing. And, you know, one of the things that I, t- when I talk about food and I talk about food being information, and I learned this from Dr. Mark Hyman as well, like food is information. Like it's actually instructions yeah. for your body and it tells your body exactly what to do. So I'm so glad that you, you kind of touched on that. And you also yeah. talked about in ways other than food that we can energize our body. So what are some other ways and some other things that we can do to energize our body other than food? Yeah. Yeah. Because I like to look at food as nutrients. Food is like you said, it's, it's communicating to the body. It's providing those nutrients that then can drive to cells. I don't like to look at food as energy because yes, while it is a sense of energy, I think we can get easily lost into the calories of energy, um, which is again, Your body can do different things with the exact same calories at different points throughout the day based on the cycle of the body. So other places that we really um, influence our energy even more than the food that we eat, um, the first and foremost one is actually our mind. Our mind is um, estimated to be about 70% of our total energy levels. So you could say that, you know, two thirds of your total health is strictly related to those thoughts that you're having inside of your head. Those are the number one influencing factor over our energy level. I mean, if you pay attention to this, you know this, right? Like think about the last time you laughed with someone like that is energizing, like that kind of lights your fire that makes you feel good and light. And then all of a sudden you got in an argument with someone, right? Like that's exhausting. Like emotional stress is some of the most exhausting um, energy changes that we can experience in any given day. But there's a lot of other places. So we know that all living things have an energetic level to them. So like I said, being out in the sun, the sun is incredibly energizing, especially the morning sun. Um, Moving your body also produces energy. I think this is where the whole calorie myth kind of gets broken because a lot of the times we think of energy or as movement as an energy burning, right? Like we think about if we're going to go out and work out, we're going to burn calories. We're going to burn energy. Um, but again, if we really get into the studies, that's not actually what's happening inside of the body and why exercise again is not a lasting source of health in itself. Don't hear me like movement is really important, but this twist of that is, is that exercise should not actually be depleting of your energy level. If done in the right way with the right mindset, it should actually fuel you with energy, which is the opposite of how a lot of people look at it. So we know moving our body, being outside, getting fresh air, laughter, having those right emotions. Those are some of the top um, energy sources that we have is just outside living life. Also, sleep is also incredibly energizing. Um, um, And so those are some some of the big ones that I could say that really give you energy outside of food. Did you know that the very foods you turn to to manage stress and fatigue are actually formulated to keep you hooked? 
These foods attack the very part of your brain responsible for regulating mood and stress, making your problem worse in the long term while increasing your risk of serious illness. In my free Rise and Strive ebook, you'll discover some key vitamins and nutrients that may help to improve your mood and reduce stress. No excuses. Now is the time to build up your body's defenses so that you can achieve more calm while protecting your body against serious illness. Go get your free ebook by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to trudyestone.com forward slash rise and strive. Let me know which foods you'll eat more of to manage stress. I love that. And I'm not a fitness professional, but you know, what I would say about exercise is that sometimes we look at some of these latest exercise, you know, routines on, you know, Instagram and that sort of thing. We're like, oh my God, I want to try that. It looks so cool. That person's so fit. But just because that sort of exercise works for that person and that person's body, it may not work for you. Your body may not like that. That might actually be draining to your body. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went through that myself in 2020. I kind of went through these periods of exercising and not exercising. And although there was a certain type of exercise that I really liked to do, I felt that it actually made me feel drained. Yeah, I started to explore different ways of moving my body and working out. Um, and I had to kind of get past this idea of you know, if, I'm not, if I'm not doing like a certain type of exercise, if I'm not doing like hit workout, you know, high intensity interval training, that means that I'm not really working out my body. No, that's not true. Just move your body in some sort of way. Right. And, and yeah. I'm so glad that you kind of touched on that as well. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. It's continuous movement too. You know, like, I yeah. think you're so right. Like there's that threshold of understanding that our body is always working to maintain a homeostatic balance. Like our metabolism is a homeostatic balance. Our hormones are homeostatic. Like everything is working to achieve a balance because when we're in balance, our body is thriving. Unfortunately, we take in this idea that change produces or stress in some cases produces a change that equates to weight loss. So we see a lot of these very restrictive, very intense diet mechanisms And yes, they can produce change, right? Like the restriction of calories in the short term can produce change. It can make you lose weight. Exercise, pushing your body really hard in the short term can create results. The problem is, is that when we push our body to that extreme for a prolonged period of time without understanding that our body needs to achieve a state of balance, then we take what was once a really good thing and we make it bad, right? Like Mm -hmm. short-term bouts of hard, intense workouts or even movement, right? Like even sometimes I think like moving a piece of furniture can be really hard, but just that short bout is enough to just like push your body to that extreme a little bit. But the key to the body and why those prolonged exercise sources rarely work long-term for the majority of the people, especially women, is because your body's wanting to maintain balance. So the further out of balance you push your body, the more your body's gonna fight against you to pull it back into balance because that's your body's job is homeostasis. Your body's job is designed to keep us alive at the core. As much as we hate that, it does a great (laughs) job of that. And your body will always win on that level. The problem is you take that good thing, what could have been used as good, and you push it to the extreme And now all of a sudden you're having the opposite effect of what you thought it was going to do. Like you thought that hard workout was going to give you this energy and make you lose weight and help you have more muscle mass. And all of a sudden now you're exhausted, you're fatigued, you're gaining weight and you're probably swollen. And you're like, why, why can such a good thing? And it's, it's the extreme or the level in which we pushed our body out. So it's like, everything is like that 
I always call it like that balance of like, it's like a, a yo-yo. Like you got to know when to push your body and make it do something. Cause your body's designed to work. It loves work, but you also need to know how to pull back and nourish and rest on the backside mm-hmm. um, and really refeed yourself well. And I think that is like, once you learn how to find that balance in your body of knowing when you can wake up and push your body in a hard workout and when you need to, you know, slow down and do some yoga and stretching, it's not that you don't move your body, right? It's that you just decide in the moment what your body really actively needs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So can you give us some examples, Alexa, of energy gains and then some energy drains and how to overcome mental energy drains? Yeah. So I like to look at life as like what things give you energy and what things take energy from you. Now, the thing about energy is your energy levels are really always changing, right? Just like the seasons of life are changing or for a woman, you know, who's menstruating, we have different cycles and your energy level is going to change inside of those. So there's, I think before I get into energy drains and energy fillers, I think it's important to understand like energy at the, the, the foundational level, which is the first law of thermodynamics. And again, not to get geeky, this is just the law of thermodynamics, which states that energy is neither created nor destroyed. And so I don't want us to look at life and think it's only about adding energy to my body, because the reality is, is that we can do that. We can add energy to our body, like caffeine, right? It's a stimulant. We can add energy to our body. But just because you add energy to your body does not mean that's also beneficial because a lot of times when we have too much energy, we um, also have symptoms. Anger is a sign of too much energy. It's pent up energy. Anxiety is a sign of just having too much energy or unused energy in the body. It's an out of balance on the other end of the spectrum. Just like too much caffeine can make you jittery and unable to fall asleep. Why can't you fall asleep? Because you have too much energy that has not been spent throughout the day. So it's always about finding this balance. So when I look at energy gains and energy drains, I don't necessarily look at it as what do I need to add to my body to increase my energy level? Most of us are living in energy debt. So yes, we want to unleash or um, let out some of that, you know, like, I guess, fill ourselves with some of that energy, but we don't want to artificially enhance our energy to levels that are also unhealthy. You have an energetic balance and that's what we're going for. So when I look at energy fillers, and energy drainers. Um, it's what are the things that are pushing me out of balance, either too much or too little energy, right? Like either pushing me to the extreme where I have anxiety and anger and jitterness where I can't fall asleep or on the other extreme, what are the things that are absolutely exhausting my body, causing PMS, causing my skin to break out and acting? What are those things that just make me feel heavy and tired and exhausted? And again, everything in life is changing. So it's not about saying like, okay, this is my answer. Like these are the exact rules I have to follow to make sure I stay in balance. The key is to wake up every day and understand how am I feeling? What does my body need? You know, do I feel drained? Do I feel overwhelmed? Do I feel exhausted? Well, here's a list of energy fillers. Can I get outside and just move my body? Can I go on a walk? Can I get some morning sunlight? Can I drink a glass of water? You know, can I have a healthy breakfast that's going to nourish my body? You know, maybe I need to um, reprioritize my day to get rid of some obligations that are maybe weighing me down or not worth it. You know, like those are like, I guess when it comes to energy fillers and energy drains, those are some of the things to just like start to analyze, to recognize that everything we encounter in life is influencing our energy on some level. Um, 
And mostly it's because of our thought patterns behind those things. Mm -hmm. So again, energy fillers are going to be things that give you energy, that make you feel light, that make you feel alive, that make you feel good. And energy drains are going to be things that take your energy, the things that you feel exhausted afterwards, that you feel tired, that you, maybe you feel bloated. Um, and it's learning how to balance those things. So I'll give you an example. Yes. I'm a mom to three small girls and I will tell you bedtime is exhausting to me. <laughs> and they're adorable by the way. So make sure you follow Alexa on Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes. They're adorable. <laughs> I love them to death, but there's nothing more exhausting to me than trying to get them to bed. And if I let that, like before I really started to pay attention to how it was draining me, like mom rage could happen, right? Like really fast by the end of the night. Like I would just become so drained that I had zero energy and that my mood was out of control and I was exhausted and I was tired and I was grouchy and I was probably craving all the things and just stressed, right? Well, I've realized that bedtime is just something that's draining to me, mostly because I already feel by the end of the day, I'm already starting to run low on energy. But instead of letting that get the best of me, because I can't not do bedtime, I I thought about it, but I can't not do bedtime. (laughs) How do I, how do I add an energy filler to that? That doesn't make it so draining, right? Like how in the process of what I know is going to be exhausting to me, how can I continuously keep my body filled with that energy? So just little things, right? Like I love to reading is something that's really filling to me. I love to read. I love to learn. So sometimes when they're reading their books, instead of, you know, just like trying to rush them to bed, I'll sit down and read with them, right? Like I'll not even necessarily like reading their books, but like, we'll all just read our own books Hmm. and just having that 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is of like, okay, I'm just even rejuvenating myself in the midst of getting them to bed. It just gives me a little bit more energy to get through without completely losing it, right? Without going into a complete spiral of a stress response. So it's like, those are the things that I want people to start to pay attention to. Now I could give my list of energy fillers and energy drains, but honestly, everyone has something different. Like when it comes to food, so I don't like to look at food as a moral code because what might be good for you might not work for me. And what might give me energy might be something completely different for you. That's why we have extremes in the health diet, right? We have the carnivore diet and we have the vegetarian diet. There's a ton of research on both sides. Like there's arguments all the way around it. It's not about what is right for the majority of the people. It's what is right for you. Mm -hmm. And one day that might be, you might need more protein and another day you might need more plants, but we have to be able to listen to that and understand that and recognize when our body is feeling depleted, when it's feeling stressed and overwhelmed, knowing how to bring ourselves back into balance instead of fighting that working with our body. Because when we start to work with our body, then our body starts to do better things with the things that we are doing. Mm -hmm. Meaning the things that you want to work will actually start working instead of working against you. Um, And so, yeah, energy fillers are anything from moving your body, getting a glass of water, um, eating a vegetable, laughing with a friend, turning some music on, you know, um, I mean, there's so many little simple things, taking a hot bath, reading a book, um, journaling, all of those things are great things. And we have so many just little basic things that you can do in a day that fill you up. Energy drainers on the other side, 
I, I think that they're, they're, the range is across the board. You know, anything that makes you feel heavy, bloated, tired, too hard of a workout, too much food, or restricting things can also be energy drainers. Um, getting into an argument, letting that person who cut you off in traffic ruin your day. Um, social media for a lot of people can be a really big energy drainer um, because, again, they all go back to our emotions and our thoughts and how we're feeling in the process of doing those things. So we can generally look at the things that fill you with energy are the things that make you feel good. (laughs) The Mm. things that drain you are the main things that make you feel angry or bitter or envious or shameful or guilty, um, or just come with an excess load of heaviness. Mm. Oh, Alexa, that was, that was phenomenal. And a friend of mine has twins and I know she has some issues with bedtime. So I'm definitely going to recommend that tip to her. (laughs) Um, but you know, I also want to touch on with what you said, like just listening to what your body needs. And I know it sounds like, you know, trivial and it sounds like nice and everything like that, but really, I, I don't think that we're taking enough time to just stop and listen. We're just so busy, like rushing through life, checking one thing off the list, checking the next thing off the list, checking all those boxes that we're not really taking that time to check in Mm -hmm. with ourselves to find out what it is that we actually need, especially what what we actually need in that moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I I just love meditation for that. I find meditation really helps me to figure that out. And I know a lot of people are, some people are mixed with meditation, but you know, I love meditation at the end of the day, especially, especially if I'm feeling like maybe even stressed at the end of the day, just lying there, just a five minute meditation, or even just like a body scan meditation is a really good one. And just checking in with yourself and just saying, Hey, what do I feel in this moment? And what is it that I actually need in this moment? And a lot of times, if you just take that pause, those answers will come to you and will reveal them, reveal themselves to you. So I'm so glad that you talked about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how does, so knowing all these energy gains and drains or, you know, fillers, you know, how does this relate to our mind and our soul? Like, what is that connection? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, our body is functioning off of our thought process, right? Like all of our thoughts are driving our behavior, which is driving the outcome of our body. Our biology is literally just a byproduct of what's happening inside of our mind, Now you could say the top tier of that is your belief system, because generally what you think is based off of what you've believed, or you've taken something that your body has become aware of, and you've shifted that to a thought based on a perspective that was formed out of your belief system. So let me just give you an example of that, right? Like you get out of the shower and you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror. Now we all probably, it's probably going to capture our attention at some point, right? Like we've all been there. And so it captures your attention. As soon as something inside of your brain gets your attention, it starts to capture your energy. So anytime you have a thought, it's in a, it's a, what I want to say, it, it draws your energy to it. And because it gives you, because you've given it your energy, it, it gets your attention. Right. Um, and so it draws your attention. Now, Between the time when it's an awareness of you see yourself in the mirror to the point in which you have a thought about that, your body is trying to develop a scope or a, um, what do I want to say? It's trying to develop something to stand on that can become a thought because inside of our brain, we don't just have thoughts that are untrue or untrue to us, what we believe are untrue, right? Everything inside of our brain has to have some sort of meaning or it has to have some sort of backing. So some people like to think of like thoughts are built off of like a scaffolding system inside of your brain. They have to have a foundation to stand on in order for your brain to even process that as a thought. 
So again, we are aware of a lot of things in our surrounding, but even like sitting here listening, like how few things are we even paying attention to, right? Like there's so much around us, but we only really give our attention to a few things in our life. And so again, from the time it captures your attention or awareness to the time it becomes a thought is a process where your body builds the scaffolding or the support system that makes that thought true. Now, the way that thought becomes something true is it starts to pull information from other areas in your life, from stored memories, from things, experiences you've gone through in the past, and also from your belief system. What is it that you've believed that has been or has been quote unquote um, true in your life to this point? Well, there, therefore, all of that information coming together creates that thought. So that thought, if you look in the mirror and you think, wow, I'm so fat or wow, I have so much cellulite or man, I can't lose weight. You know, I'll never be healthy. All those things that we think that's based on a perspective of what's been done before. It's been based on a perspective of what you believe that generates a thought that is considered true to your body. Am I making sense with that? You are, you are. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it creates this truth. So every thought that you have in some level, your body has believed as true based on what's been done before or based on your belief system. Mm -hmm. And that generates a perspective. Now that perspective obviously becomes a thought and that thought then becomes how you live. That becomes your way of life, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look in the mirror and you think, wow, I'm so fat or um, I can't, I'll never lose weight or I can't believe I can't get healthy or whatever those negative thoughts are. Even if you started off your day and you thought today's going to be the day that I'm going to get healthy. Today's the day I'm going to Um, you know, eat my vegetables and do that. As soon as you have that thought or um, that goes back to that belief that you'll never be healthy, then guess what? You're going to start taking action to support that thought Mm -hmm. because thoughts can't stand inside of your brain without a support network. So as soon as we take away the belief, as soon as we take away the supporting evidence, as soon as we take away anything it has to stand on, it goes away. We don't think about things that are not true. We don't feast on things that don't have a support system. So what your body does unconsciously is that as long as you have a thought that you're going to be fat or that you are fat, that you're never going to get healthy, you start to act out of that because that creates the support network that thought needs to maintain a status inside of your brain. So guess what? Your, your, your healthy day all of a sudden turns into, well, now it's stressful. Now my emotions are going to get the best of me. Now I might as well have that bowl of cereal. Now I might as well eat those M&Ms on my coworker's desk. Now I'm too stressed to work out. You know, now that, you know, one thing ruined my whole day. You start to get into these patterns. They're called feedback loops that support the belief that's happening inside of your brain. Mm-hmm. Why behavior modification doesn't work, right? Like all day long, all of health has been just change your diet, just exercise more. You can do that for the short term, but long term, if it's not what you believe, you will not do it. You will always self sabotage that to get you back to the point of what it is that you believe. Right. I know we don't like to think it's true. We don't like to think this is possible. And we wonder why in the world would we be designed to do that? Honestly, it's a survival mechanism mm-hmm. because our body recognizes threats. And for the majority of the time, anymore. We are our own greatest threat. <laughs> right. We become Absolutely. our threat. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we get into the pattern where we are our threat, it becomes a really hard, um, a really hard cycle to get out of unless you become aware of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Unless you can start to see that maybe that thought that I'm having is not true. 
So it's so essentially what you have to do and why this is so important, because when you have those thoughts, those thoughts are generating an emotional reaction, which is an energetic communication signal to the brain, right? Mm -hmm. All emotions have an energetic value to them. So if you have the thought in the mirror that I'm, um, I'm so fat, I can't lose weight, all of those, those are associated with emotions of feeling guilty and shameful. Guilt and shame are some of the lowest energy emotions that we have. Like you can Mm -hmm. actually take an emotion and vibrate a frequency off of it. So this can be Mm -hmm. measured. And those on the scale of how energetic emotions are, those are by far the lowest Mm -hmm. levels of energetic or energetic um, emotional values or whatever you want to call it. Those are frequency and at the lowest vibration, meaning those are bringing your energetic level down, meaning your body's going to transition into a stress state where it's going to start to release cortisol. It's going to start to send messages hormonally that tell your body, hey, we're under a threat. Hey, it feels like we don't have enough energy. Now our energy is threatened. Therefore, start conserving all energy that you have. Hmm. Well, our storage form of energy is body fat. So our body's going to start to hold on to, it's going to start to conserve all body fat, and it's going to start to decrease the energetic level that you function at, meaning your metabolism is going to drop to meet that, to maintain a homeostatic balance of survival. So now you do feel tired. And when you feel tired and your body's energy levels feel threatened, then guess what? You start craving energy. You start Mm. craving it from outside sources, which often comes in the form of food for many people, right? It's Mm -hmm. now I want to eat it. Even though your body has plenty of it, it's transitioned to storing, hoarding, and conserving it. Therefore, it has to start to go seek outside sources to make sure that you don't run out. Mm. To your body, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred extra pounds of stored energy. Um, What matters is the threat to your energy level. And so it will continue this process of store, hoarding, and conserving And a lot of times it's simply just because of an emotional trauma or an emotional belief pattern or these, these negative feedback loops that have going on in their, um, in your brain. Mm. And so really those thought patterns, your belief, right? Your soul, some people would consider that your soul, like ultimately what you believe about yourself are the number one influencing factor about how your body is working. It's changing your biology at the core more than anything you do externally. Health is always something internally. And I think if we look at even obesity, you know, and when people are trying to fight this obesity epidemic, I don't, I've never met someone and I've worked with a lot of, um, considered obese people, you know, hundreds of pounds overweight and not one of them, not one of them has gotten there on purpose. You know, not one of them would have wished themselves into that position. And I don't think anyone who's overweight themselves overweight on purpose. And, and so I think it's understanding that you didn't get there on purpose. It's not you just being lazy. There's an emotional thought, belief, trauma, something that is triggering the response inside of your body to store, hoard, and conserve Mm -hmm. outside of everything that you do. And it has to come back to how can we start to heal some of those patterns? How can we start to change some of those feedback loops and retrain your brain? And like you do in your rise method, how can we start to deal with some of this stuff so that our body can start to shed the extra knowing that it can trust us, that it's in a safe environment, because the only way to truly get healthy is to create a safe space for your body to thrive. Anytime it has a threat, it will, um, it will go into conservation mode. And I don't want that to say because there's threats all around. So some people hear that and think, well, 
never going to get healthy. Now we also (laughs) create our threats based on our perspective of what is a threat. So it is our view of what's happening that changes whether our body's going to see that as a threat or as a safety mechanism. And we can change almost any, any experience that we have in life. We can, we can change every thought because we have the ability to change our perspective. But again, it's a choice. It's an awareness. It's an understanding um, without accepting, without justifying those things. It really truly is just that understanding and recognize, does this thought serve me? Like when you look Mm -hmm. in the mirror and you say, I'm so fat, I'm never going to be healthy. How is that helpful? Um, And what can you do to replace that? And I know when you were on my podcast, you said it's like that reframing those, mm-hmm. of acknowledging you're having those thoughts, saying like, I, I, I have felt overweight or you said it better than I, I could. I don't yeah, like I am having the thought that so yes, rather than yes. just believing you are that thing, just, you know, separating yourself from it by just saying, I am having the thought that I feel like I'm not enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So acknowledging that thought. And then letting it go. Because mm-hmm. if we don't acknowledge, then we suppress. Yeah. Um, and as soon as we suppress, we um, essentially a suppression of an emotion is a justification to that emotion, meaning you gave it reason to be there. Yeah. We don't want to give these negative thoughts reasons to be there because we'll always act out of that. Yeah. And I love that you said that, Alexa. That's such a good gut check. Like, is this thought serving me? Like, it's just as simple as that. Like, how does thinking that make you feel? If it doesn't make you feel good, then you have to try to find ways to reframe it or to rephrase it to something that's more empowering instead, right? Yeah. And that's what you're so good at is helping people to reframe those things. (laughs) That is the- the, But it's practice. It's practice, right? Right. And it's constant awareness, you know? And I I always say it's like the snowball effect of like healing starts at a really slow, a really slow pace. It's really hard and it feels overwhelming and it feels like you have to like really hold every thought captive and really process it. But I think the more you get into this, the quicker you get at like not even- not even giving those thoughts the time of day, you know, like when you start out, you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and you want to start beating yourself up and you have to take that thought and you have to go through the whole process of reframing it and letting it go and feeling that it's something true. But then you start to look in the mirror and you don't even give those thoughts uh, a place to stand. Right. Right. And then maybe eventually you can get to the place where you can actually say something good about yourself, um, which feels like such a far off thing, but it truly is a snowball effect. As soon as those things lose power, your body will fixate on something. Our, our brains are designed to create meaning. So -hmm. if you're not creating meaning around something that's negative, you'll start to create meaning around something that is positive. You know, you'll start to see yourself making progress. You'll start to see the good that your body's done. You'll start to see and start to respect it for what it is. And you'll also use that to create that desire to continue to move forward, to experience that side of health. Did you know that the very foods you turn to to manage stress and fatigue are actually formulated to keep you hooked These foods attack the very part of your brain responsible for regulating mood and stress, making your problem worse in the long term while increasing your risk of serious illness. In my free Rise and Strive ebook, you'll discover some key vitamins and nutrients that may help to improve your mood and reduce stress. No excuses. Now is the time to build up your body's defenses so that you can achieve more calm while protecting your body against serious illness. Go get your free ebook by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to trudyestone.com forward slash rise and strive. Let me know which foods you'll eat more of to manage stress. 
Right. Oh, it's so good. I, you know, your thoughts, and I talked about this before as well, with, like, like you said, when I was on your podcast, like it all starts with yeah, a thought, right? Like sure. your thoughts are, are power and they can empower you or they can disempower you, right? Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I like talking about and that I share with my clients is, you know, not waiting to feel motivated to do mm. something um, before taking action. Because if you do, you know, decide mm-hmm. to you know, wait to feel motivated before you take action, you're going to be waiting a really long time. <laughs> yeah. So how can understanding how you want to feel, mm-hmm. you know, help you to put the necessary action into achieving that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I love how you say that because it is so true. Motivation is never the starting point. It's always a mechanism for finishing Um, because motivation is directly related to your energy level. Like a lot of things, right? The Mm -hmm. less energy you have, the less willpower you have and the less motivation you have because you have to have energy to maintain those levels inside of your brain to use them. And if energy is not there, you won't have them. But in order to produce energy inside the body, you have to work. Work is the generator of energy. Energy is just the production of heat, right? So anytime, um, you know, you're resting or, or things like that, in some ways you are still producing that. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that you have to do something in order to feel energized right? You don't feel energy necessarily before you go on a run. (laughs) You've got to lace up your shoes. You got to put your shoes on. You got to get outside. You got to get your feet to hit the pavement. And then at the end of the run, you'll feel good, but you have to get through that process. Some consider it that pain in order to feel the end. But here's, I think a turning point in the health space. I think so often we've looked at health as an outcome or a destination. Mm. We think health is an arrival. And we want to will ourselves there via motivation and willpower, which are not anything that's going to be beneficial in getting you started. So I think instead of looking at health as this destination, we have to start viewing health as a feeling. Health is mm-hmm. ultimately something that you feel. It's an experience. Um, and health is a way of life, not an end-all be-all. It's so, supposed to be a tool to help you live your life, not uh, a, a reason that we live for life, right? Like it's not, it's not something we should live for, but use to live out. Um, and so we have to stop looking at health as a destination. Yes. You might want to lose weight, but you have to stop waiting to lose weight in order to be healthy. And I see Mm -hmm. a lot of people do that. I'll be healthy when Mm -hmm. I'll be healthy. When I get to that size of jeans, I'll be healthy. When I lose that weight, it's like, no, no, no. Health is inside of you. Health is an action. It's already there. It's how you live that out. If you have the belief that you have to wait to be healthy, you'll never arrive because it will be one thing after another thing after another thing. So instead of looking at health as a destination, you have to understand health as a feeling. So if you think about that end destination, like why do you want to lose the weight? You think that what what do you believe the weight loss will bring? What feeling are you trying to experience there? Most people would tell you that they want to experience being strong. They want to be confident. They want to um, be light. They want to have happiness. They want to find joy. Like they want to have more adventure. All of those things can be achieved today. Mm -hmm. None of those things have to be waited for. And so once you understand what is it that you're actively seeking to achieve, what feeling do you want to feel? And then start to understand how you can feel that way today with specific actions. So let's say you want to lose weight. You want to get to your goal weight, maybe 40 pounds from now, because you want to feel strong. Like you want to be fit and strong, fit and strong. It's not something you have to wait. That's not automatically going to happen. As soon as a number pops up on the scale, fit and strong, is going to happen long before that number pops up on the scale, but you have to be willing to see it. 
So what is one thing that you can do today that's going to make you feel strong? Maybe that then becomes the reason why you slip on those shoes. Not because you're going to do it just so you can lose the weight so that eventually you can feel the way you want to feel. No, recognize that as feeling what you want to feel. Like when you go out and work out, it makes you feel strong, right? Mm -hmm. Like it gives you that feeling. And that feeling that you get creates the desire and the motivation that will drive you into wanting it more and more and more and more. But we can't just look at the destination because that's too far away. That's that's more than our brain can handle and process through because what you're going to encounter is the resistance and the pain of today. And if you can't experience the good in the midst of the, the discipline that it takes to get healthy today, if you believe that you have to wait 60 days from now, you're never going to get there because no one wants to experience 60 days of pain waiting for something they're not even positive is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, positive is going to happen. And so you really have to understand what do you want to feel? What does that feeling of health look like? And what is the action I can take today that will help me feel that way? Because at the end of the day, even if we look at food, a lot of people eat for comfort, they eat for um, emotional stress, they eat for suppressing emotions. But if we really pay attention to how that makes us feel, I don't think any one of us could say at the end of doing that, we feel great, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like generally we feel guilty and we feel shameful and we feel bloated and we feel heavy and all the things that we ate to avoid now just tenfold. But if we pay attention to that feeling which again, sounds really fluffy and I am not a fluffy person, but it sounds really fluffy, but it does make it simple. It's like, do the thing that's going to create the feeling that you want to feel and let that feeling be the driving force that keeps you moving. Mm. I love that, Alexa. You know, I I think the same way about happiness as well. And a lot of people are like, I'll be happy when, you know, fill in the blank here, you know, I'll be happy when I find a man or a woman, I'll be happy when, you know, I get this job, be happy when, and we're just putting happiness like on a shelf and we're waiting for external things to validate us and for external things to kind of line up and fall into place before we can feel that feeling of happiness. Right. And I say like, you have to kind of take charge now and just do things to feel happy now in the moment with where you're at, rather than just waiting. Yeah. If you keep putting it on a shelf, of course, you're going to feel crappy and you're going to feel like those low value emotions that you talked about, like guilt and shame. Yeah. And that's not going to serve you. And that energy is, is not good for you. It's not good for your body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I, when I you can learn life. how to do, like when you can learn how you can change this stuff with choices, you can learn quickly how to change your perspective, right? Because right, as soon as right. you learn, you can achieve what it is that you want to feel without waiting. Then you can recognize that the perspective that I had of my body was actually making me feel terrible, right? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. it makes you go back in and question, well, how can I change that to make me feel better, right? It's not to say like, I think I love, in some cases, the body love movement, but also there's, there's, um, there's a fine line that it's created where it's made us believe that it's either or, right? It's the extreme mm-hmm. of like, if you love your body, then you don't want to change. That's not always the case. The, the means and the purpose of life is to grow and to, to get better every day, right? Like that, that gives us all purpose. And so I think there is this fine line of like saying, like looking in the mirror and telling yourself how much you hate yourself and that you don't like the way you look, that's not serving anything. And it's probably making you feel pretty darn awful. Um, Mm. at least for me, right? Like if someone else told you that you would feel terrible. So of course, if you tell yourself that you're going to feel the same way, but on the flip side, 
we also can't get into the space where we just tell ourselves like, okay, if I'm just going to love myself, but I'm just going to, you know, well, I guess this is it, you know, like this is all there is, or, you know, I think that there is this, like this fine line of saying, like, I think you can look in the mirror and actively tell yourself something positive while taking positive action in that direction. Mm -hmm. It's like not being complacent with it, but we willing to ebb and flow and to change because the reality of how our thoughts stick is through action. So you can think a lot of things, but as soon as you start taking action on those things, they start to stick. That's why when you have a thought that's negative, a lot of times you'll back that up with action is because your body needs that action in order to make that thought a reality in your life, to make it almost a belief system. Without Mm -hmm. that thought or without that action, then it starts to pull you in the direction of your actions. So your thoughts really, really, really are the top point, but your actions have a ton of pull in what it is that you think long-term because your actions create the supporting evidence. So if you're thinking something negative, but you're acting something positive, that's hard because they're not, um, what I want to say, they're a little, they're kind of fighting for priority in your life. Right. But the more you continuously take that positive action, even if you're still fighting some of those negative thoughts, the more you're going to start to pull those negative thoughts away because they're going to lose their power. As soon as you take away the supporting evidence of a negative thought, it completely loses its power and it goes away. Mm. Um, and so taking that positive action again, why we can't just love ourselves or, you know, have that body positivity at any size, why often that doesn't work long-term again is because there's not a lot of positive action on the flip side that keeps you there. Mm. I don't know if that, I feel like I missed the question on that one, but (laughs) no, you did answer it. Yeah. yeah, like, like helping you to see it. it's just like, it's kind of like all these little things, but do the thing that makes you feel what it is you want to feel. You don't exactly. have to wait for health. No one ever said health was magically going to appear at the end of an eight week program or at 60 days or after 30 days of, you know, whole 30. Those things can be good. Don't get me wrong, but we miss the good when we miss in the waiting, when we sit waiting for it rather than experiencing it today. Right. And that's why I love when you said like health is a feeling. Like, I love that. Like I've never heard anybody say it like that before. And I love that. So Alexa, you have an amazing podcast and it's called the made for living well podcast, which I love. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and the topics that you talk about? Yeah. So made for living well is to try and show you that you were made for health. Like we were all made for living well and health is inside of us. It's not something we have to chase or pursue or achieve. Um, but it's just something that we can actively live out. And so I try to take common health things and show you how, um, how practical and realistic these things can be breaking down complex things and just making health simple. Like at the end of the day, my goal would be to stop complexing, complexifying health and just help you make health simple and looking at that, the mind, body, soul connection, Um, and bringing up hard concepts and um, other truths that maybe aren't being talked about in the health space and bringing light to them. And again, showing you how to live that out. Love that. So Alexa, I have a question and it's something that I ask all of my guests. What is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body? Yeah. So my favorite way to take care of my mind um, is something that has not been easy, (laughs) Um, but it's creating space. I love people. I love doing things. But honestly, I think just quiet space, just being alone 
And, you know, you could call it meditation or whatever. I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily great at meditating, but for me, my form of meditation or, or just creating that space is literally just driving to a place. I have a spot um, near my house. It's kind of down by a river bank. And I literally just park my car. I turn it off. I, my phone is off and I just sit hmm. and um, I'm just there. So I try to do this as much as possible. Sometimes I'll do it when I'm out moving. My body is just finding that space where I literally have no outsized noise coming into my brain so that I have time to process through what's happening inside of my mind. And it's too easy to just suppress what's happening inside your mind or to fail to recognize it. Um, but again, everything that's happening inside your mind is not just things floating around that have no impact. That is a very communication channel that is changing everything about your biology. And so trying to be aware of that. And then um, I also got into a practice of like journaling that out, writing that out. I'm a huge fan of writing mm. because I think it does change our thought patterns. Um, and it takes some things that we struggle with. And as soon as we get them out of our mind, they technically lose their power. Right. So writing that out can help lose like some of those things that you're really fighting and struggling with, help them to lose their power inside your mind. So I would just say it's daily space. It's to me, it's, it's all over the board. Sometimes I need more, sometimes I don't. Um, and so just trying to listen to my body on what, when I feel too depleted and I need extra time and when not, um, and then how I take care of my body is honestly, I just listen to my energy levels. I pay attention to that. And I try to provide what it needs because I'm a really big believer in seasonality and cyclical cycles of our body. Um, and so, you know, I try to pay attention of like, okay, it, where am I in my menstrual cycle? Where are we seasonally? You know, what is my body telling me today? Like today I had anticipated that I was going to wake up and I was going to work out and I had been craving really hard workouts. And today I woke up and I was just feeling a little bit off. Like I just was a little bit tired and I just felt like my legs didn't want to move. And so instead of forcing my body to run Today was just a slow walk, like a really slow walk. <laughs> and I didn't even make it that far, but it was at least still, you still went for the walk. I know. Like I still <laughs> got up and did it. But I think that that gives you, if I had been in my old mindset before my days of energy, what would have happened is I would have forced myself to run mm. and I would have ended up hating it. It wouldn't have gone well. It would have been a struggle and a fight the whole way through. And it would have knocked my motivation and my energy down all day long. Like that's the most frustrating thing. I think about some of these things is we get so frustrated because we think our body isn't doing what we think it should be doing. Mm. But if we just learn to listen to our body. So today I had an off day. I came home. I had a glass of water. I ate a good breakfast. Um, you know, I prepped for this and it, it's been great, right? Like I have plenty of energy. I feel good. And guess what? Tomorrow that's going to give me the motivation to wake up, do it again, you know, like whatever I feel like. So honestly, it sounds again, like I don't think people have that necessarily start out with that level of trust with themselves because I didn't either. This took time to grow into this, but it is listening to your body and paying attention to what it is asking for. Mm -hmm. I push my body, but I also know how to nourish and feed it on the other side. And I think just today, just honoring, what are you looking for? What is your body asking for and using the different biofeedback signals, the different communication channels to recognize what your body's trying to tell you. So there's this, this last thing I have these like five things that I pay attention to. And if I feel like they're really noisy or they're really bothering me, then I know that my body is out of balance. So it's my sleep. If I feel like I'm not sleeping well, or I feel like I need excessive amounts of sleep. 
Um, if I have excessive hunger or I feel like I don't have any hunger, um, energy levels, your cravings and your mood. So I feel like those are the things. So I have, um, what do I say? Sleep, hunger, energy, cravings, and mood. Those are the five things that I feel like if those are out of whack, if I feel like they're unstable and we all know when they're out of balance, right? Like you're craving (laughs) all the things you feel like your emotions are a roller coaster. It's not that these things are going to be perfect all the time, nor should they. That's not the picture of health that we need. The picture of health is it's always changing and it's always flowing. And we know that if we get out of balance, not if, when we get out of balance, we know how to bring ourselves back into balance. So I really pay attention to those. If I go through a phase where I'm craving everything mid-afternoon, I really start to look at and like ask, why am I craving this? Like, what am I not providing myself that my body is looking for in um, this bowl of ice cream, <laughs> you right. know, like it's just kind of questioning that it's not berating that it's not shaming myself for that, but it's honestly just asking myself, why am I not sleeping? Well, why do I have these cravings? Why am I hungry all of the time? What is it that my body needs in those moments? And then providing that, mm. um, instead of looking at life as just this stagnant thing and enjoying life. I think that's food is meant to be enjoyed. Everything is emotional, right? Like I agree. Don't avoid it. <laughs> Live it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Alexa, actually, speaking of which, speaking of being unbalanced, you actually have a really good quiz on your website that I discovered. Can you tell yeah. us about that? Because that was amazing. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So I created a quiz on the livingwell.com and it's just, um, it's an energy quiz. So basically you go through this period of questions and it comes up with your results on um, how close you are to a state of thriving. Um, And so you can continuously repeatedly take that quiz to see if you're getting yourself there. So you take the quiz and it kind of gives you results based on your energy level. And then I just give you ways to fill your energy tank up based on where you are, right? Like, because there's different thresholds of energy and some people just need a lot more support. Some people are maybe getting close to thriving, but can't quite figure out how to overcome that hump. So inside the quiz, I also give you a lot of tips and tricks to help you learn how to fill your energy tank, how to fill your body with energy um, so that you can enter that state of thriving and really feel good in the process of that. So yeah, just a fun little quiz. Awesome. And I'll make sure that I link to that in the show notes as well. So people can check that out. Speaking of that, Alexa, where can people find you? Yeah. So I, um, you can find me over at the livingwell.com. Um, that's kind of my home base where we release three or four new articles a week and some different meal plans, the energy quizzes over there. And then I also have the podcast that's called made for living well, which can be found anywhere podcasts are played. Awesome. And I'll make sure again to place all those links in the show notes for you guys. so You guys can check it out and follow Alexa. So Alexa, thank you so much again for joining us on the mind your body show. It was an honor to have you here. I haven't had anybody on the podcast yet talking about energy. Um, so I'm so glad that you were able to join us for this episode, because I think we could all use a little bit of energy regulation these days, right? and recalibration. So I think right. a lot of people are going to love this episode. So thank you so much for being on the show, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEstone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.